0: amplified
1: welcome everybody to the amna martinez podcast my name is amna martinez and the co-host kenji nakata nakata that just recently uh changed his name because he hates his mexican heritage
2: obviously i don't hate my mexican heritage <laughs> fucking asshole It makes my name very long you changed it You took it out Nobody uses it So practicality That was your thing Yes Uh, It's useless You could Uh, have been Alejandro Sanchez Pass (laughs) No, nobody calls me Alejandro Uh, And nobody knows My maternal last name Is Chavez Chavez Yeah But
1: Lately you've been Identifying more As a Japanese person Like that's more you Than uh, Than You've told me this.
2: No, I didn't say that. I didn't say none of that shit. <laughs> yeah, of that. I don't know why. You, on the podcast, you like, you start saying some some bullshit, man. It's true. I said none of that. You said. You said. Matter of fact, I think. Uh, i think making, you making more Japanese. I'm making you more Japanese. You're making me identify as Japanese. <laughs> Like ah, itadakimasu. Uh, but you did
1: take out your your like Spanish last name. Yeah, but that neighbors. has nothing to
2: do with identity. The thing is, <laughs> nobody calls me Alejandro. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows my last name is Chinese. <laughs> Everybody knows me as Kenji Nakata, which is partly my own doing, right? Because that's how yeah. I introduce myself as yeah. Kenji Nakata. So I, it's not that I identify as Japanese, but. <laughs> But you're aligning sort more of, with Japanese, sort of. co- uh, 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 what do you call it? Ethics. I think it's. I think. Uh, I think it's mostly. Uh, I never feel that I fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. But
1: it is an important <laughs> conversation because you like. <clears throat> I. I. You know when Japan was in the in the World Cup. And they were cleaning. They they were leaving the. It was all over the social media. Like they were leaving the locker rooms. Like. Pristine, intact. Right. That's real cool. You were, pr- you were you were kind of proud about that. You were like, "That's,"
2: and then uh, they were no. cleaning the, the they were cleaning the. Well, not because I'm stadiums. Japanese, but you know, it's because that's uh, that's a really cool part of their culture. Mm-hmm. The Japanese culture, they're they're uh, very, you know. Um, they're very uh, considerate of others. Mm-hmm. That's like the the whole thing is about being considerate considerate of others. Uh-huh. Like what you do affects others, so you have to always act in the benefit of others and then you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's real. Like that's exactly how it is. Like in in Japan. And you want to be like that? Yeah, yeah. I like. That's I like I'm that saying. shit. So if <clears throat> that's one of those things that uh, okay, you know, I would love to adopt. Um, yeah behavior so like you
1: that. align more that's what i'm saying and that's that's one of the conversations that, that that you know that this is part of like my embarking on this exploring the conversation of identity like now that not if you say if you say oh i identify as this now it's like bad you know like you're you want to align yourself more with your yeah Japanese just uh, just want
2: to pick
1: and choose the best parts yeah yeah um yeah that's All right. pretty much so our next guest Samantha Mesa. She has a harder time because she's Irish, French, and Mexican heritage, uh, and she said she's working on her Spanish. And we, sp- you know, we 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 speak about that. But she's an anchor here for the local five channel news, uh, and she gave us a basically behind the scenes of her day, which starts at two in the morning. And so by the time you and I are in our you know second dream, she's already up and going. Um, and they they made space for us. Uh, and it was very gracious for them to invite us. And um, us, infinite resources, mm-hmm. you know, infinite resources. So we went and spoke about recruiting and staffing, and you know, um, and I think that's really awesome that they're doing that. Um, and uh, you know, she's not from Iowa, but she does have Iowa beginnings. I think oh, her, like her great grandpa. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. So we talked about all that, and um, you know the workplace and how it is to be a woman anchor uh we spoke about that so uh I'm very thankful that uh samantha mesa came on and, and spoke about her career she spent time well, actually she's been in new york, which i asked her she's been an anchor in new york and at on the border and, and uh, Did you hear uh that? I want... <laughs> what
2: is that <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but that's got to be the Mexican side. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, New York. Yeah,
1: New York, uh, uh, in Corpus Christi in Texas on the border. Um, and she was in, uh, Tunisia during the, like right maybe a week or two before the Arab spring, uh, you know, uh, uh, took place back in 2010 um and she you know she speaks about that so she's been in the Middle East oh, in okay. big cities okay. at the border you know talking to people and you know like reporting and uh and I was like why Des Moines <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah um why are you in Des Moines Kenji that's a
2: question for you it's uh the circumstances the circumstances that's it that's the answer yeah yeah circumstances put you uh, where where you are yeah
1: so life happened and then one thing led to another and then that's what you're next
2: and then that's how i ended up here i don't want to bore the audience yeah the the three or four people yes yeah all right well I
1: want to thank Samantha for coming on uh, and uh, and giving us uh, a one-on-one lesson. I asked her about how you know how does she interview people and oh okay yeah so I need more you know I need more more um uh, this is not what I do for a living so did
2: she tell you how you did no Ugh.
1: yeah that's probably bad yeah she better it's she so should have I better not say anything I know huh. <sighs> <laughs> dang it well I'm rusty. Cause it's been a it's been a probably uh, like nine months since we so I haven't done anything. So, that's, so that's true. That sounds like a lot of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, go watch Channel News uh, every day. She uh, Samantha Mez is on in the mornings and in the noon hours. And um, I want to thank her for making time for us. Uh, you know, people are busy, man, and when they're able to make time. We really appreciate it because uh, that's how we continue this fun podcast.
2: You you love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on uh, season five. We're past the pandemic. Twenty
2: twenty three. Is this the outro? No, this is the intro. Oh, okay. It sounds like you're saying bye. Oh, no. (laughs) No. No, I wasn't.
1: I'm saying we passed the pandemic. Now it's new season, season five. We're still trucking along. We're going to keep doing it uh, and see what happens. So here's Samantha Mesa on the Emner Martinez podcast.
3: Thanks again for having me. Yeah,
1: no, thank you for thank you for being here. I know you're super busy, so I, I'm very grateful and appreciative of people making time and, you know, helping us, you know, do this.
3: Well, it's it's a two-way street, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. you helped me get your message out to our viewers, yes. and I feel like it. that's what community is about, is yeah. we leverage each other. You know, we collaborate, and yeah. so I'm really happy. I had so much fun when you were on the show, and it felt like we were just a part of combined good forces Mm -hmm. yeah but
1: you have this daily like you uh, (laughs) i I, I, you have people daily and uh, um you know it's uh, how do you keep up with that pace i mean it's you it's a fast-paced job yeah it is
3: very fast-paced and i think it's kind of how my brain works Mm. so this is a job that's such a it fits like a glove because i love meeting different people i love hearing their different stories Mm -hmm. um i love i'm i'm I was l- I'm a people person. Like, mm-hmm. I get energy off of good conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thrive off of connecting our communities uh-huh. in all the diverse layers right. of us. So, to me, that's just, that's a, a dream. Yeah. Like, I, I I genuinely love just connecting with different people. Do you
1: like the pressure? because The
3: pressure definitely, like, go ahead.
1: No, when you invited us to come, you know, I've never been in a yeah. set like that, and then it just, everything is, you know, Sit here, and then you came and you know gracefully joined, uh, you know, and uh, welcomed us. And then somebody moved us to another room. And then you see people counting down, <laughs> and then so it's it's, it's everything is like to the, By the second. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Do you like? Th- is that part of the adrenaline?
3: Oh, for sure. I love. I love how it's constantly moving, and you have to be focused mm-hmm. and present. Yeah. And like on point the whole way through, and then you know uh, as you learn as you kind of find your rhythm mm-hmm. you learn how to move through mistakes yeah it's live tv it's gonna happen yes yes yeah. yes yes. and so i just like the i love live tv because mm. it's be you you know mm-hmm. be you be fully present yeah. um, give what's in front of you which is going to change in the next hour yeah that's the way news is and i love um i love just like just being like t- zoned in uh-huh. you know like we're here we're making eye contact we're sharing energies we're talking about something very important to the community and it's just it's fun it definitely is it's definitely an adrenaline (laughs) you have to kind of you have to balance that but that's where you know the end of my day Mm -hmm. i try to do something like a physical release with exercise Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. i try to read a book i'm really into or i work on my spanish yeah yeah (laughs) do you
1: do do you you have any like uh bloopers like that go viral (laughs) i've seen you know those are oh
3: my gosh Endless. (laughs) (laughs) Endless. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this like nine years now. Oh, mm. well, there's plenty of bloopers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't kept track of them all, but every day mm-hmm. I feel like there's a blooper every day yeah, because yeah. we're just people. Yeah, you know. And so
1: do you've been in a lot of places? That's one of the key questions that I wanted to ask you. Like, you've been an anchor and reporter in New York, in Texas, yeah. uh, and then what? You're originally from Denver, mm-hmm. but what landed you? And Iowa? what made you decide? Iowa.
3: Yeah. There's a couple things. I have, so when I was, the station I was at before here was on the Texas-Mexico border, way down mm-hmm. south in Brownsville area. Mm-hmm. And it was in smack middle of the pandemic. Okay. And so I was coming to the end of my contract. And and honestly, like this is, it's kind of a, it's a heavy circumstance, Mm -hmm. what led me to Des Moines, but I think a lot of people understand that at this, where we're at in life with Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Um, There were some, I lost some colleagues from COVID. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were people passing away around me from sickness. And so it was, our team was just whittling, whittling down. And um, I was able to keep working. I kept on telling myself, like, at that last station, it's a CBS station. And I was like, gosh, every day I wake up, I'm like, I'm alive. I'm physically able to work. I haven't gotten COVID. And I'm like, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And so for a good stretch, it was like at least six months plus mm-hmm. um, when we were all just in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. We had lockdowns, uh, curfews overnight. Mm-hmm. I got pulled over so many times going to work in the middle of the night. Yeah, and like the police why? were like, why are you out on the road? Nobody's out to be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's allowed to be out. Yeah. So I'd just be like, I'm going to work. Turn your TV on at 5 and you'll see me. Oh, wow. um, but, you know, we had the FEMA, the release papers to say that I am an essential worker. Mm-hmm. And so that was a that was a wild time, very isolating. Mm-hmm. Um and so scary to
1: s- cover terrifying. the pandemic.
3: Yes, because when you think back to that time and I know a lot of people have been burnt out on the news because they mm-hmm. just can't take um the heaviness yeah. of it, especially the pandemic for a stretch. Yeah. All I was reporting was how many people have gotten sick, how many yeah. people have died, infection rates people losing their jobs, yeah, businesses dying. I mean, it was like for months just a cycle mm-hmm. of how do you <coughs> still have compassion reporting the news and how do you get people to turn on their TVs because we're ultimately just trying to help us all get through. Right. So that was a brutal stretch. Mm-hmm. And when my contract was coming up, I had a death in my family. Mm-hmm. And it was so... It was just, it was devastating. It was exhausting. It felt like this big hole in my heart that mm-hmm. I was like, I just need to be, f- be physical, physically closer to family right, right now. Uh-huh. And I don't know what the future holds, but that's the pull that I feel that I cannot ignore. And I have two brothers. I'm from a family of eight, third mm-hmm. oldest, so lots of siblings. I have yes. two brothers, one older and one younger, who moved to Minneapolis and started families there. They went there for work as well. I see. And so they had, um, you know, started their families, had some kids. So I'm like, I'm a Tia for the first time, and I'm <laughs> not even anywhere near <laughs> these kids. Ah, I see, <laughs> and, I see. And so I moved. I, I started looking for a job, um, started, you know, just kind of poking around the country, as reporters do mm-hmm. when your contracts come up. And I Des Moines came across my radar, and I had a friend, an acquaintance from uh, New York where I had worked um, mm-hmm. years back. And I reached out to her and I was like, so there's a job open and I'm in the runnings for it. What do you think of Des Moines? (laughs) And I'm like, that's a driving distance from my brother. So that's Mm going to be some peace of mind. And it's also a position that's the next step in my career. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, the winters are horrible. (laughs) (laughs) yes, But Des Moines is great. (laughs)
0: yeah." And
3: I was like,
0: okay.
3: I was like, so when I accepted the job, I was like, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And so it was a combination of, um you know really excited for this next step in my career mm-hmm. uh, which you really need to be invested in for this line of work to move across the country right
0: right and right. so
3: I still believed in the craft and I'm like okay I think I align with the station and I've heard good things about the city and then I was like okay I can be I can I'm a drive away from my nieces and mm-hmm. nephews and my brothers are there and um you don't get time back.
1: Yeah, and you somehow found uh, on your research that you're you have some Iowa roots. Yeah, you have some French. <laughs> this uh, is crazy. Irish.
3: <laughs> yeah, so um, I knew on both sides of my family. My mom, she is uh, she her her father was raised in Long Beach. His family's from Mexico, okay. and then my mom was raised in Long Beach, and then my d- she has um, some French in her family too. My dad's family is a mix. What I know is Irish, okay. but I also know his dad was raised in Algeria. So we're a, a swirl. Uh, we're <laughs> we're of. V- I guess you said we're very American. <laughs> yes, you know, lots yes, of yes. mixed cultures. Yes.
1: So I know that you said you were working on your Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, not confident enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. But no. Well, and I wanted to kind of uh, talk about this because I have children, mm-hmm. and um, they don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then my wife and I, we we talk about you know it's it's not that easy to just. Assume that just because you're uh, Hispanic, Spanish speaking, and then you have kids, especially in this country, that they're gonna speak Spanish. Yeah. So we decided not to put pressure on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're not, you know what, like, that's okay if they don't speak Spanish for now and then they can learn it. And do you feel pressure? Uh, do you, how, wh- where's your Spanish at? Uh, do I you feel pressure that you need to speak Spanish? I,
3: I do feel, I, now it's more like pressure from myself. Because I do feel like it's a missing part Mm -hmm. of my identity. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot I do miss out on Mm -hmm. when my bilingual friends are having a convo and I'm trying to follow. Yeah. And maybe I can understand. That's really where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I can understand for the most part. And then Mm -hmm. speaking it. Challenge for me, what I get really frustrated at myself with is that. When you're learning a language, you know, like past your childhood, mm-hmm. you go back to sounding like a child. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, like a t- and like, uh, like a I went to an intensive, you know. like a Spanish <laughs> institute in my college years, uh-huh. and at one point, me and this cohort of other students were like, "What do we actually sound like to our teachers?" I'm mean, <laughs> like, "Are we just full on baby jumbo?" Yeah, and yeah. I'm like,
0: uh, it I mean, "Could be. Yeah. <laughs> like toddlers."
3: But but Spanish or learning a language. I think it's it's really, for Spanish, it, and, you know, being Hispanic, Latino mm-hmm. is, like, it's a part of identity mm-hmm. and, and keeping our connection to our roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, like, learning a language, though, it comes from a piece, place of curiosity mm-hmm. and yeah. wanting to just learn deeper something that you, y- you know, you're, you care about. You right. You want to be a part of it. You want to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, that's natural because it's a part of my heritage um my mom definitely wishes she was she kept her Spanish because mm, uh, mm-hmm. she was raised bilingual growing mm-hmm, up but then mm-hmm. when she moved to Colorado and raised uh, my family right she would only <laughs> get mad at us in Spanish uh, <laughs> right only scream when, yeah. sit, uh,
1: when you know when they're mad when it's I Spanish know, only
3: or when they say your full name yeah
1: and I kind of appreciate that you know I s- when I was re- reading about you and doing a little research um you know you you said that you've you know it was a piece on the for the state fair, and you said that you know you found out that you had french and irish mm-hmm. and and I think that a lot of people um don't take uh time to look back and and realize that that uh everybody migrated here at one mm-hmm. point or another yeah. you know and um uh I think it's very healthy for people to do that, yes, what do you think
3: absolutely I think. You understand who you are when you understand who you, c- where you come from. Mm-hmm. And you made me just think of two things. Um, that, you know, being multicultural and having... Just really trying to understand your identity, your mm-hmm. roots, and uh, trying to celebrate it mm-hmm. and really, like, appreciate the cultures you come from. I right. think that's definitely rare these days because uh, our world moves so fast. Yeah. And I thought of something when you um when you were you know thinking of speaking spanish and why is it important mm-hmm. um something deeper that's not even it's it's not something i went through but my grandfather experienced it in long mm-hmm. beach mm-hmm. he was only child his parents only spoke spanish mm-hmm. and he w- he was that generation going to catholic school where the nuns would beat him mm. when he spoke spanish
1: oh wow and
3: so he got intimidated out of speaking spanish in public right but He had to be his parents' translator. Yes. He was a kid.
0: Yes.
1: So
3: that is conflicting dynamics in Mm. home. You're your parents' link Mm. to adapting to this country you've come to. Right. And then you go to school and you got to be, you got to work on that English and you cannot miss a beat. Right. You get beat.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: So that's something, I think it's it's especially, it's very close to my heart Mm -hmm. for that reason among others. But I think of my grandfather being shamed out of speaking Spanish or even just afraid to. And yet he didn't judge his parents. You know, he was just a kid navigating a lot of tensions. Mm -hmm. And so for me, learning Spanish, it makes me feel, it almost makes me feel like this is how it's supposed to be.
1: Right, 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 right. And I think that the lack of knowledge or the lack of acknowledgement of you know where you come from it kind of creates that tribal territorial kind of you know mentality of you know this is my land and yeah you know you can't come here or it's you know, very small-minded yeah 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 and, um, and it's
3: based out of fear right and right. power dynamics yeah. which I would
1: be you know I mean you know for me I'm from Guatemala and I'm um, on my mom's side she doesn't know who her dad was, and then uh, on my dad's side, he um, he was born out of wedlock, so mm-hmm. like out of an affair. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of where um, my like history kind of stops because they're like, okay, this was my dad. Da, da, da. But some people here uh, in this country, there's more. You you can trace it deeper back mm-hmm. into a couple hundred years, three hundred yeah. years, and I think it would be it would be helpful for people to uh to do that just to kind of reconnect with those people that came from europe because you know european americans african americans uh latino Mm -hmm. uh, latin americans um so i don't know it was just like when i was looking you know into you know you it, it just made me feel really uh I appreciated that you like went back and took your time to look and see what your roots are from and stuff like that. Yeah,
3: so when I found my family had met up in Oslo, so I was like, "What?
1: You met with them? You met um, with some?" Uh, I haven't met them oh yet. Okay, okay, so if okay. They Hear this, I'm <laughs> looking for you. <laughs> Hit me up. What, what I'm on TV. Just <laughs> Facebook me. <laughs> what about um, journalism? I wanted to talk a little bit about that, uh, obviously, uh, but you were in the. Um, Middle East yeah for a, for a little bit how was that experience like
3: it was really incredible that was and it was it was crazy um, I had The timing of it was just kind of meant to be
1: mm-hmm. I mean timing is everything right mm-hmm. and
3: I was set to study abroad in uh, Tunisia North Africa mm-hmm. and two weeks before This is a country that flies under the radar, mm-hmm. like Mediterranean, almost Greek, and mm-hmm. then they got, you know, Arabic and North African influences. Um, absolutely beautiful country. And uh, t- so in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get close to Algeria where my grandfather was raised. Uh-huh, and I'm like, I'm going to uh-huh. understand another side of me.
0: Yeah.
3: And um, nope. It was two weeks before I left for the program, the Jasmine Revolution, the Arab Spring Revolution. Yes. Literally ignited. I mean, that was, it was the heaviest, one of the heaviest like uh, news headlines yeah. in a while because a man set himself mm-hmm. on fire. Yeah. And because of economic desperation, the whole area he was in, it's just, the, the region reached a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, riots break out. Um, the country just pretty much self destructs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, are a student. You're a student still. Yeah, I was uh-huh. 20 f- 23, 24. Oh wow. And a non traditional college student, mm-hmm. you know, mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And um I was like, wow, Tunisia uh, Tunisia's under a state of emergency. What do I do right now? Mm-hmm. And so my study abroad, School for International Training, they're like, We're reroute- we are rerouting you to Morocco. <laughs> and I'm oh. like, okay. And they're like, yeah, they're kind of going through the protests too, but they're safer. Uh, <laughs> and we got a host family for you. Safer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so you mean there's not planes in the air shooting down civilians? Mm-hmm. Like that's what was going on. Yeah. And so um, th- in – it, it was definitely a wild ride at that time. Um, this was a, a just a really pivotal time in my life for various reasons. At that moment, like my dad, he was going through stage four prostate cancer, mm. inoperable. And mm-hmm. so he was at the end of his battle. He lost his battle, and he passed away in that August of 2010. Mm. And then the Arab Spring, as I'm like, I decided, you know, I'm going to follow through with my study abroad because I really, I was like, I there's so much I don't know about my dad's family. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. need to get to that region and learn. And so December, these protests light up, and then I get rerouted to Morocco. So I go through the study abroad mm-hmm. plans, and I um, I spent a couple months in Morocco and learned Arabic, studied Arabic, um, and then you know took other classes on the history of the region, the politics. Mm-hmm. Just really, it was really an immersive experience of. Be in the culture, speak the language, mm-hmm. and learn our history. Mm-hmm. So that was a couple intensive months. And then once the state of emergency in Tunisia lifted, our group decided, okay, we're going to go to Tunisia.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you still went back to Tunisia. I still went. Oh, wow.
3: Yeah. And then uh, when we got there, it was very militarized. There were kind of like, you know, the prison, the barbed wire you see on a prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was massive everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Just guarding roads buildings the downtown where that was close to the suburbs we were living in with our host families every other week it was torn apart by riots and then they try to rebuild
1: did that make an impact on you as like uh, do you look back like how what how did that impact your career well
3: um it impacted my career in some really deep ways in that intention Uh intention on you really have to be Diffi- there's there's a there's a courage that comes with the job mm-hmm. that you have to be okay with being in dangerous situations, right. and then you have to really care to get to the people whose voices need to be heard, and then you've got to be very quick and savvy to get to leadership. Mm-hmm. So your connector between everyday people mm-hmm. and then the decision makers. Mm-hmm. So that's a different kind of hustle that you've got to be very quick thinking.
1: Oh, I see. I see. Um,
3: and. With correspondence, I mean, that was an experience pretty much being an international correspondent. And it it showed me, like, you've really got to have some grit and focus. Mm -hmm. And no matter what the circumstance is, if you're on the front lines of a war zone, that's the assignment. Right. Uh, And if you're, you know, in in stages of a a country building a democracy for the first time, as, like, was Tunisia when I was there, Mm -hmm. I was spending my time interviewing women that were building a democracy for the first time and they were throwing around all these terms I had never heard before.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for
3: me, I was just like, you talk and I'm just going to document it and put together my, you know, paper at the end of this study abroad assignment. assignment, And it ended up being, my project was women's voices will be heard, you know, the women of the Jasmine revolution. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really like, organically just came together Mm. Uh, and that's how news is you go where the story is yes yes yes
1: yes it's just the story found you this time (laughs) i got
3: thrust into it and i was like (laughs) some most people say i'm gonna study abroad and have (laughs) croissants. yes learn francais (laughs) like that was not me
1: what other what uh, you've you've covered the uh opioid pandemic Mm the um
3: in new york i covered that yeah
1: so what what's uh what have you covered that just stuck with you Mm. what's something that like
3: there's a lot um i will say in like recently in uh on the texas mexico border Mm -hmm. i did a a story on the hiv aids epidemic there And it was very eye-opening in the Hispanic community because Uh there's a really high rate of transmission with men. Okay. So there's this taboo around sexual health, health, Uh bigger picture, Uh and how it spirals into killing people. Uh And it's taboo around being Hispanic and Catholicism. And it's just, it's one of those topics that's loaded with shame. Yes. And covering up, pretending everything's fine. Yeah. But.
1: They still handle it like if it was the 80s. Yeah. And it was very like.
3: And my report there, um, I spoke with a young man that was going through his treatment and trying to just find a rhythm in life to live with it. Mm -hmm. And he just broke down crying. And he was just like, Look, I've been through some really tough stuff, as a lot of teens have. Mm. And he's like, I got a lot of trauma just locked up in my body. And Uh the fact that I can't talk about this. And there's only one resource center in this whole border region that will be there for me and help me. He's like, I'm breaking down. And so he shared his story, very young guy in his 20s. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where I just saw like the resource center be such a source of compassion and really like trying to find solutions uh, for him. You know, medical treatment, whatnot, but more than anything, they just kind of came alongside him and they're like, "We see you. We're not going to judge you. Mm-hmm. We'll be here whatever you need. You tell us, and we want to try to get you through this." And that I learned was the reality for so many men. I mean, they considered it a pandemic, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was. I mean, it was that was the health crisis there yes. before mm-hmm. COVID, mm-hmm. and so before COVID hit, um, that was the one that was killing men at crazy rates.
1: How do you keep um, your uh, objective kind of uh, without becoming an activist, right? Because mm-hmm. is there is there a line where oh yeah uh, you have to be as a journalist, you have to be neutral, you have to be yeah uh, that must be difficult because you're you're a person that you know uh, wants to promote you know community yeah. and goodness and all yeah. that stuff. Have you found yourself in a little bit of hot waters for 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 for? Your approach, especially right here, in you know, Channel Five, at least mm-hmm. what we've seen, like you're, you're pushing a lot of community, a lot of people of color, a lot of,
0: yeah,
1: is there marginalized, a, yeah, like how underrepresented, w- uh, I'm, I'm it's pushing tough. The boundaries. It's yes, I'm tell me a little bit about, no about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm doing because <laughs> in my
3: mind, I'm like you're, you're, like we all deserve a voice, yeah, we've been marginalized. Yes, mm-hmm. um, it's that's a I think that's a daily challenge mm-hmm. that every journalist. Ethically, should hold them to themselves too, mm-hmm. and it's it's not easy. And I know a lot of journalists that are so devoted to this craft. Uh-huh. My mentor being one of them, um, Rosa Flores. She's a correspondent for CNN. Okay, and uh, she she's someone that I look to as just this constant, steady, get all sides, uh-huh. give context. Yeah. There's always things to consider. There's multiple factors there are different people at play and so yeah life is complicated Mm -hmm. and I think you have to see it as there's more to it than a perspective or my emotions Mm -hmm. connected to Mm -hmm. a story I think um, to be to have a boundary is really important for me a healthy boundary that I don't get consumed by a new story and really just be like okay but are we giving the full picture yeah and that's really that's the hustle uh-huh. It's a lot of work yeah. and you have to be, you have to find a balance to give people a safe space to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. tell you what they're really going through mm-hmm. when you're trying to put a face to a problem. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to be very knowledgeable, quick, a good listener. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you've got to sometimes call people out uh-huh. when it comes to leadership. Yeah. Um, you've got, and it's just, it's just about um, wanting to be a true educator right and connector
1: yeah because i mean that's at one point journalism was being attacked Mm -hmm. right so there's some players in the cable news that are that have kind of uh pushed you know uh uh yeah i guess society you know if you want to confirm your thoughts uh, you can watch fox or msnbc and they'll reaffirm Mm -hmm. that the way you think Mm -hmm. and Journalists like yourself, you guys are objective and in the middle. What's your opinion about that, about the, the some of the cable news that have kind of become more of uh, uh, bullhorns for each party? Yeah, each I side? think
3: politics in our country has become so polarized. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we've all seen it. Stories becoming clickbait mm-hmm. and things go viral and it creates groupthink and more prejudice affirming assumptions and right. stereotypes and then having justification to other someone right. and then treat them so. Yes. And that, the division, it feeds into people's assumption that I should be afraid of you because you're different from me mm-hmm. and I need to protect myself. Right. Um, with journalism, I mean, that's very frustrating to see how news, you know, different outlets have done that. At times, um, it's it's just kind of a it's 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 puts us all in check. Yeah. Like what's your intention behind this? Yeah. Because a journalist is to be is to do the work. A family at home or a person watching their TV does not have the resources, the time, the connections to do uh-huh. to help us find solutions, get to the root of a problem, really understand it, and then be like, so now what? Mm. So, if you take for me, I see it. When I take journalism at that approach, it's about understanding, it's about yeah. unpacking, and then it's, I don't want to just leave you with a problem.
0: Uh-huh. I
3: want to find the people that maybe have an idea, a solution, yeah. or are doing something yeah, yeah, yeah. to do something about what we're going through, because we don't always, w- we don't want to be stuck, Yeah, you know? Nobody yeah. wants that.
1: Um, it, because we're far away from the Walter Cronkite era, <laughs> <Very> <laughs> right, where like, you know anchors, <laughs> where <laughs> anchors were looked at you know with a standard of now you know uh you know the i think they've uh made damage you know to to your profession um where you know uh it's more of an opinion now and not fact reporting um but you know is is local news easier to kind of uh, uh, stay more objective and and uh, because the national news I'm assuming mm-hmm. these guys have like pressure from their bosses to be crazy and yeah. <laughs> uh, it depends and on push the an agenda maybe yeah
3: it depends on the network um for you know the national I think l- well I I enjoy local news I really feel a connection mm-hmm. to local news because I feel like for me mm-hmm. it's I love community. Mm -hmm. I love being able to try, you know, get to know the people where I'm at. I don't have to go too far. Mm -hmm. And I can just make it my home, explore what's right in front of me. And really take my time to understand, you know, Des Moines is is what it is right now. Mm -hmm. And surrounding suburbs. Um, It's the national... And then local come with very different grinds. Mm. Because, you know, you go national and the world is your oyster. Uh. But you're also going to be flying by the seat of your pants. And you can be pivoted Mm -hmm. on a story if breaking news happens. And you were in uh, Indiana, Uh you know, reporting on a community, a feature there that you worked on and you flew in and you're Uh meeting with these people. But then a shooting happens in Denver.
1: then uh. People
3: die. You go. Uh And you have to be ready for that. So Mm it's a very – you have to have – very high capacity mm-hmm. to be around trauma people's best and their worst mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. and you have to be just ready to flip the switch mm-hmm. and then go live.
1: I think a lot of it. You said something earlier was was like very click bait kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, yeah. They keep up with ho- who gets the most. I was mm-hmm. following something, or I ran into this page. Uh, it's an organization. It's called Start with Us. I oh it's yeah. Called. St- or, uh, yes. Start with starts with. Yeah. Us, I think uh-huh. it's called where they're doing studies and they're, you know, uh, kind of exposing a little bit the uh, medias or, you know, the uh, that are using the hyper partisan mm-hmm. um, agenda. Can candidates and because they get more clicks and the, the bipartisan people that are working trying to work together to get things moving forward, they don't get as many exposure because Margaret Taylor Greene is gets all the you know, a lot of the, the mm business mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's um which affects you a little bit doesn't it because uh, or uh, the profession where the pressure of like who should we cover where are we going to get the most clicks where are we going to get
3: we don't think about clicks in in a, as a newsroom we look at impact mm-hmm. how many people does this impact mm-hmm. what is the impact mm-hmm. uh, we want to devote our coverage to what matters to you mm-hmm. the viewer and you know if there's policy changes that are going to happen a bill that's going to get signed a protest uh, we want to be there and we want to let you know about it we're also going to go cover when the k- price of gas goes up we're right. also going to cover a baby toy recall for yeah. your little one yeah. we're also going to cover you know uh, your car a uh-huh. recall on your car it's all it's about keeping you safe mm-hmm. s- protecting your money saving your money yeah. And then inspiring you, bringing you joy for the day,
1: how do you keep your emotions in check some some stuff yeah. that you that you report must be something that like you're you're probably not agreeing with or not or against mm-hmm. or something or you have an opinion yeah. of how do you do that how do you like yeah they it's effective? that's
3: definitely I feel like that's just kind of a everyday being human practice mm-hmm. i I've never met a journalist that didn't have a day that was just heavy on their heart because mm. we all we've all had to cover the same types of stories mm-hmm. we've all been in levels of p- other people's trauma at mm-hmm. some point um i a really a, a woman i admire she's working in dc as a anchor and reporter now mm-hmm. um if she's listening her name is deborah Alfarone, mm-hmm. and she is she gave a really good piece of advice she's a like professional serial mentor to mm-hmm. other women in broadcast okay. and she said when you get to the station check your emotions at the door not uh-huh. meaning don't be a, be, a, be a robot because you have to uh, you have to still have empathy and be make people feel safe to share uh-huh. their stories with you but what she was saying is she was like, this is not about you so if you get triggered, by something at work or uh-huh. a story makes you feel just like, oh, my God, I can't handle this. Uh-huh. She just was like, this is just about your emotional management. And mm-hmm. she's like, you will do yourself and your viewers a service that mm-hmm. way. Because breathe. It's like kind of the practice of yoga, you know, mm-hmm. being just centered and like feel being in touch with your body. So for me, um, I've I've been in enough newsrooms to really like observe who handles stress, pressure, really sad stories well. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of just had, I guess, like a toolkit of, I liked that, I liked that. You know, I liked how they handled this. I liked how they handled that. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, I really love the rhythm of my work right now. I get to talk to, I get to just be a community builder. Yeah. Connecting us. And then when I am like spent at the end of the day, or if it's a bad week, um, or, you know, you just have, the news is so heavy. Mm. I'm so tired of saying it. Yeah. Um, then I'm like, okay, it's it's time for me to take care of my body mm-hmm. because my body holds tension too. And sometimes you feel like you just carried the weight of the world. You literally just said every sad thing happening <laughs> in the world.
0: Yeah. You know? Yes. Then
3: it's like, okay, it's time for yoga. It's mm-hmm. time for reading. Mm-hmm. It's time for being around people I love. It's time to not think about anything. It's time right. to watch comedy. It's time to go watch live music.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, it's time to go to South So North. you got
1: to like. Re di- disconnect yeah. from 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 yeah. the job you
3: have to have a self-care
1: so t- take us a little bit uh and this is like picking your brain for us too That's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> you are, you're the professional and, and um, uh so i have a few questions about this like inside the what's the decision making like so there's um your your title is the anchor is there mm-hmm. an editor is there uh you guys get together and like think about which or Somebody just dictates. These are yeah. the stories, or do you have a say in it?
3: So I'll give you the rhythm of my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get into the newsroom, I've gotten already a Teams message at, like, 2 in the morning from our producers. We have overnight producers. They come okay. in around nine ten. Uh, depending. There's two of them as of right now. Usually morning shows have two to three producers. Okay. And um, they come through. They take the baton, basically, from nightside. I see. The last show is at 10, so... They are checking what were the top headlines. What do we need to ask questions on? Sometimes there's a fire. Sometimes it's a shooting overnight. Uh-huh. They're doing that. So they're building a two-hour show oh. all through the night. So by the time I wake up, they've pretty much told me, we're having you do this, and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, I see, I And see. so I get into the newsroom, and it's just, it's go, go, go from the time I get in there uh-huh. to, to when I'm walking out. And um we have me and my co-anchor and then we have a meteorologist. He is also, he's been working for hours on the weather by the time I get there. Uh And then we have a production crew that is testing mics. You know, everybody does so much behind the scenes. You saw. Yes, 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 yes. So it's a small but mighty crew in the newsroom. There's two to three producers and then two anchors. And we're just reviewing scripts, fact checking, making sure um, spelling is all good. (laughs) You know, and then if there's any developing news, we're trying to update and, um, it's constant prep before a two-hour live show. Yeah. And so they have made a lot of judgment calls, but then they also look to us, the anchors, to be like, wait a second. What about this? What about that? Have uh-huh. you checked on this? Yeah. And so they're also taking notes on any questions we have, and they're going to be following up with fire department, police, as the show goes on. Right. So it's a constant efforting. Yeah. And so then 5 to 7, our show's live. Sometimes breaking news comes in, and we got to adapt, and our producers are super – sharp on giving us a heads up when we have a new read coming in and we can review it um and then through the show we're a fluid team the show lives and breathes so if there's something that we see that we're like ah we could do that better that didn't quite work right or have this question we should next time we air the story let's add this detail to it we're constantly
1: so it's always in the uh yeah, it's a work and flow. Yes, 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 yes.
3: And then we update social media at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's great for an ADD brain. Yeah. <laughs> just like, pew, pew, Yes. <laughs> um, and then after <laughs> the show, uh, we have uh, Good Morning America airs f- um, after us. And then we pop in, 725, uh, 755, 825, 855, four different cut-ins that mm. we pop into the network. Okay. And we give your local news update.
1: I see, I see. And I
3: see. so uh, by 9... 30. Then we have a staff meeting. The reporters for the day are in. More editorial staff. Assignment editor mm. is in. Um, we got our web team in. And so then we all get together and it's kind of you relay what happened on the morning show, what should be covered for the day. Mm-hmm. You decide what stories are going to be covered for the reporters. And then I get ready for round two, which is the midday. Ah, and that's when I get ready for that people like you to come uh, through. I see, I see, I see, Yeah. So then I work with our producer, um, to build the midday uh-huh. And that's when I'm like Okay, I scheduled so-and-so for today I'm going to write how I want that segment to go mm-hmm. And um, and then they build the follow-up The carryover of news mm-hmm. What's new since the morning mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: So it's like a whole constant. Every day Yeah <laughs> Is yeah. there stories that you're like I don't want to cover this <laughs>
3: There's stories that oh, are okay. so depressing yeah. or like graphic that you're yeah. just like I don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. This is a horrible thing that happened yeah. and I have to say it.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
3: there's stories that I'm just like right now I'm just going to tune out. I'm like
0: <laughs> You know, you
3: have to kind of remember mm-hmm. your why. Yeah. Which is protecting, being an advocate. Sometimes that's really heavy.
1: Yeah. So when uh Instagram came out, like I don't know when, but I remember it was like I think 2012 when I started to hear about it. I'm sure it came out before that, but I was like, I bet photographers hate this app because <laughs> um, you know, yeah, because filters like and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, so much work a photographer went through, you know, to get the, the art, the education, of the real and the moment, right? And then so so the same question would to to you with like even people like me, you know, like nowadays you can have your own your own your own like you can be your own broadcaster right like uh people go live and yeah you know um <laughs> people have made careers out of you know uh you know creating their own channel and stuff like that how does that feel how do you
3: influencer culture <laughs>
1: yes how I'm do like you feel about you're that, that ruining you're ruining like us <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. go away <laughs> yeah i mean you put in the work you yeah. went to school I you know. went to, to all <sighs> this
0: uh
3: i'll say pay my student loans and we'll <laughs> call it good <laughs> do you yeah. just pay off my loans <laughs> and yeah. then i'll be like oh maybe that's my next thing i'll be an influencer yeah. and i'll be like dang, <laughs> this is good,
1: this is good. <laughs> anchor is your uh second job yeah. and this is the <laughs> but no but it's true right i mean there's this thing where you know you put in you put in the work you go to school you get the degree and you go through the, all the traditional channels and nowadays society it's kind of YouTube you know,
3: editorial tutorial, yes. and you're like, "Okay, I got this." Yeah, and I'm like,
1: YouTube, uh, YouTube University, or something. It was YouTube when I was going to
3: college.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, so it we're in a different age. It is so. It's how do wild. you? Uh, how do you? Um, or do you have an opinion on that? As far as like how things are just changing, ever changing. It's
3: never. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think I, I definitely am guilty of just going down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. of social media videos. I don't have TikTok for that reason. Uh. Goodbye to my time management (laughs) after that. I can't do it. Instagram Uh is already enough of a black hole for me. (laughs) Uh, But I think I saw something interesting the other day. Uh, It was a news report on marketing, like business marketing class, but they're teaching these college students how to run, how to build a social following. They're teaching them how to do videos. Uh uh And I'm like, gonna pay like a college credit for Uh that but they are there's like a few students on this campus they have millions of followers combined and the course is basically an example of what do people care about now what is the you know the logic behind social media and making it work for your brand Uh that is the world we're living in so I kind of my if I look at my timeline when we're talking social media and the rise of this influencer culture. Right. I try to, fo- like, my feed is mostly mindset. It's fitness. Mm-hmm. It's animals. I uh-huh. love dogs. Uh-huh, yes. And then it's a lot of reporters that I really respect. Okay. But then it's also travel sites. Uh-huh. And I love me some beauty products. So I yes. watch people do t- t- tutorials, the tutorials all the time. Yes. Um, and that's enough already. That's already a lot of constant mm-hmm. uh, just images, messaging um for me I just kind of have to cut it off at a point because I don't think it's just too much for my soul <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at the end of the day it's like my heart my soul it's like I I, I have um a short tension span already yeah. but then I also I need like substance in my
0: life mm, you yes know?
3: Mm-hmm. and so I guess um I think it just takes you, can, you need a cutoff point right and you need like be intentional about why you're going to social apps. Mm-hmm. What are you going for? Mm-hmm. Is it doing anything for you or are you feeling low about yourself? Are you wanting all the products out there? You know, it's like mm-hmm. comparison is really easy on yeah. social media. So for me, I can appreciate it for what it does for me. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I cannot look at my phone anymore today.
1: Yes. So I have a <coughs> huge, uh, um, appreciation for journalism. And, and, uh, I think that, if I was to ever go back in time and choose a career and like have the ability to go, you know, and educate myself, which is never too late, but uh, I would choose that the journalism uh, path. What advice would you give to young people that mm-hmm. uh, are thinking about journalism?
3: I think being passionate about um, caring and telling true stories don't make it something you think it is. Mm-hmm let the story tell itself Mm. ask good questions listen Mm -hmm. listen and respond out of that research Mm -hmm. so that you're knowledgeable you're not going in blind and then just care to make a difference Mm -hmm. and have fun storytelling is it's such an art and it's like it's just who we are right everybody loves a good story Mm -hmm. and you don't you love telling good story (laughs) don't you love to see people's reactions you know Mm -hmm. when you kind of like you grab them more than a tiktok video (laughs) yes
1: do you have any uh bucket list type of uh person that uh that you would like dream of love to interview uh
3: yeah um i i was raised on oprah and she's the master interviewer Mm -hmm. um she influenced me so much when i was a kid And I know you don't hear many kids say that. (laughs) 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 My mom was watching Oprah. It's like, why would her daughter care, you know? Uh But she just, she had such a gift of Mm -hmm. just like a social chameleon. She could read people and Mm -hmm. she could be right there with them Mm -hmm. wherever they're at. Right. And she's like, she came across as like, she's known you forever, no Mm -hmm. matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I would just interview her and just pick her brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, there's no question she hasn't been asked. Right. But- she just influenced me so much, and I have so much respect for a lot of the work that she did, mm-hmm. um, that I think I would just pick her brain as, like, so, what? looking back, like, what do you think of everything you've done? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you still feel curious? Is there still stories you want to tell? Are there still mm-hmm. people you want to meet? She's, like, the queen of the media world. Yeah. So, I'd be curious, like, because sometimes... Um, You know, sometimes journalism makes you feel like, oh, my gosh, I can't do, I can't do another day. This Uh, was too uh. heavy. It was too, like, I haven't slept. Yeah. My heart is heavy. My brain is fried. But I got to get up and do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And I know she went through some of those days. And I guess I would just want to be like, do you still have a why? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Like, when
3: you look back, you've done Mm -hmm. it all. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's still more? Mm -hmm. Or are you just kind of relishing in the way your life is? (laughs) Do you still want to create? You know? Um, cause I have, I definitely have this, um, I just don't feel like I'm going to be done anytime soon. Like I'm going to keep pushing mm. on this path with storytelling because it f- like feeds this part of me right. that just won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. It's definitely necessary to have a degree of that mm-hmm. to be on to be in journalism. Right, right,
0: right, right, right.
1: Um,
3: also, just I would love to meet Rihanna. I'm a big Rihanna <laughs> fan. Rihanna, but I think she's so yeah. she's so fire. I mean, she is so strong in who she is, and that's a grind. She uh-huh. just pushed in her career, yeah. performing in front of millions of people. Um, and now she's you know she's taking a break for family, and I would love to pick her brain on like how did you stay solid in you. Mm-hmm. as crazy as this world is you know she's such a force mm-hmm. powerful but she's so talented right so hard-working. i just
1: think anybody that gets to whatever goal that they set themselves to you have to respect that no you know yeah. almost nobody no matter who it is yeah. uh, because it's like it's not easy to get to where you you know some of us like wish and dream and like visualize oh i wish right and then most of us that's where it stops yeah. And then there's rare people mm-hmm. that really go through the entire process of failing and failing mm-hmm. and going, getting nose, getting nose, eventually, eventually getting there. You know, it's just that to me is like um, respectful. You mm-hmm. know, to be like, "Hey, that person put in the work. That's why they're there." You know.
3: Yeah, and there's a lot you don't see mm-hmm. that was not so pretty. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, there. right. You know, right. There you have. I'm sure anybody that I respect who's um, you know, at a place that looks like it's all just amazing. You know, you ask them, have you ever wanted to quit? And they just go, <laughs> have <laughs> I? Every day, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I think it's you've got to believe in it. And then sometimes you don't have the choice mm-hmm. to quit.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes
3: quitting is not an option because right. you carry the weight of your family behind you. Yes. Or if you quit, then what? Mm. You know, you got to, you don't have the luxury yeah. of quitting sometimes.
1: Give me some tips. So, A lot of people ask me the same question when I invite them to do the podcast. And they're like, send me questions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are we going to talk about? And I don't know how to, you know, uh, do that. um, Because, you know, um, my brain just kind of... I would be very nervous if I had questions here. Mm. And I would have to be looking down. If I lose... You want
3: to be focused. Yes. You want to be Yes, yes. You want the chemistry to happen. Yes.
1: And then, so I've gotten better at not... um, Asking questions like in circles like I in other podcasts, I would go around and then like eventually ask the question mm-hmm. um so I want to get better at asking the questions quicker, but like give me some tips like how do you prepare for an interview uh and to get the get what you want from your from the mm-hmm. your subject
3: start with why the person's coming on okay um there's there's gotta be one takeaway at least Mm -hmm. that what's the reason you want them on yeah just start with that Uh and then when i am you know if i'm if i'm getting ready for someone coming on to the show and i'm like okay i know this is the event or whatever or this is the work they do that i want to talk to them about and then i'm like what else are we going
0: to talk about Uh, and
3: i don't want it to be boxed you know because if if i write down questions and the conversation organically goes in a different direction then i don't it's fine like Uh maybe there's some questions i'm gonna be like never mind Um, but I researched that person and, um, almost like I'm getting to know them Uh and their background. Right. So you, you know, you did some research on me and it made for a really easy conversation. Uh And that's a base that is, um, a background that so many people can relate to Uh or take inspiration from, Uh um, or just even be like, wow, I learned something new today. Yeah. Um, and then, so you got to, kn- I would say get to know the person. Uh-huh. Know their background very well. Um, questions will come from that. And if you've got a reason to begin with, let the conversation flow around that.
1: Yeah. So I've been doing Zoom calls. I had a couple of Zoom calls, and then I'm going to do interviews with them. Mm-hmm. And I just did one, and it felt uh, like... I had more ammo, I guess, to mm. to questions. So m- maybe add a, a zoom because I just can't see myself writing questions. I write. I feel like I'll I'm gonna forget. Uh, I
3: okay. do it because I'm like I just can't forget this one. This
1: question. one point, yes. Yeah, yeah and you yeah, have yeah.
3: the space to you know if you have notes um, to look down and it's not gonna just kill the momentum.
1: Right. Of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, for me, I have kind of like monkey brain <laughs> where I'll be like, wait, you just made me think of something. What did uh-huh. you just make me think of? Yeah. I'm like, I should have written <laughs> that down, you know? Yeah. Because um, I think good conversation is the best,
1: uh-huh, you know, yeah. when we're just
3: vibing and it flows organically. But that came with preparation uh-huh, on your
1: part. Right. I'm afraid that if I look down, I will lose sight of the conversation and then I'm going to be, I'm gonna li- by the time I look up, I, I can't keep catch up with where you were you know what i mean
3: we'll just say that and then we'll laugh about it and
1: then we'll move on like like
3: i lost my train of thought where were we and i'll be like i don't know but here we are now
1: have you have you talked to uh somebody that you didn't want to talk to or that you didn't want to interview
3: not in a while um i think i've been really i'm in a really good place right now okay I i just seek out people that i'm like i want to connect with right yeah um I definitely have had my share, though. Uh Uh, I've had to cover some really ugly uh, situations, Uh be it from sometimes, like, news of the day, the crime, Uh and, like, the really bad things that happen in the community, you know, when someone winds up in jail or you have to follow their court case
0: Uh or
3: uh, you got to talk to a corrupt politician
0: Uh um,
3: or, you know, somebody who's being called out for ripping the community through their just taking advantage of their leadership role. Those are not fun interviews uh-huh. when you have to like call people out on corruption. Yeah. Then you're just like, you don't like me right now. <laughs> you're not going to want to talk to me. Guess what? I don't want to talk y- to you yes. either. <laughs>
0: but
1: here's the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But at the same time, you know, a lot of these, some of the people that um, are in leadership roles, they're being paid on tax dollars. Uh-huh. They're a public servant. They were elected. Right. So it's like, come you gotta territory. Answer. you got to yeah. answer to the community you serve. Uh-huh. So that's, those are not fun.
1: So nowadays, um, women anchors are more and more common. Uh, but it wasn't right. This was a Back profession. Back in Barbara
3: Walters' day, this yeah. was
1: a, a, a profession that was dominated by mm-hmm. men. Um, what is your experience as a woman in this in this field?
3: Mm-hmm. It's different depending on where you go because uh, the U.S. is different from state to state. You know, cities are different diverse or not um some states some cities are back in time in how they treat women um and then some are other a lot more progressive so it's just varied between starting out in corpus christi texas that was an nbc affiliate and then i went up to abc fox affiliate in rochester new york and then uh the Harlingen Brownsville border t- on Texas Mexico border. So every area has different gender dynamics mm. given the area, mm-hmm. and so a newsroom I think um, every newsroom is different too. It's a crazy fast paced business. Um, I don't. I think for me the expectation has always been, you got to hustle, woman or man. Mm-hmm. You got to have the grit and the focus, and. You when the more I got into anchoring, the more my image became a focal point. Uh-huh, <laughs> and I had uh-huh. a, you know, then I started to get comments. Then I start to, um, my appearance would be picked at.
0: Uh-huh.
3: And uh, then then you see another side to the job. You're uh-huh. like, oh my gosh, when I'm on TV all the time, um, I'm going to get scrutinized. Yes, And I think that that just comes with being in the public eye, uh-huh.
0: um,
3: which is, you know, you, you gave the example of social media influencers. They're experiencing it, too. It's not good for your mental
1: health. Right, right, so right, So right, I would right, say right.
3: that, broadly speaking, I've had to really work on just being secure with myself. Right, right, And right. I think early on in my career, I was in a newsroom that I heard my the, the women I work with, they'd really get torn up about a viewer commenting on their lipstick, criticizing it, or talking about their weight. Right, right. Um, and they would, like, really have to, like, it shook them. And for me, I'm like, God, that's the least of my worries. (laughs) I'm like, I can (laughs) hairspray. Like, I'm really not worried about what you think of my appearance. I Uh was trying to hack this job, you know. Yeah. And I, but I made a decision. I was like, okay, um, if someone is going to pick at me for reasons related to being a woman, um, I will take it with a grain of salt. My goal is, it it, it only matters if it makes me better at my craft. Uh And if you know someone wants to uplift me. In positive feedback and help me get better i'll listen Uh otherwise i gotta block it out
1: yes nowadays it's lens for itself right you post something on facebook on instagram you know you're trying to promote your show and then uh um you know you're kind of putting yourself out there for people Mm -hmm. to every day uh to their opinion um i used to fall for that a lot as far as like um getting triggered and like mm-hmm. engaging in, you know, the discourse of especially, you know, when Trump was in a president, you know, there was a lot of chaos in, in society, Very I think. Very much. Um but I've learned to just like not pay attention to it anymore. Yeah. Um good
3: on you. Yeah, Aren't more you more, on for it? more on the more on
1: the comment side. But, you know, for you, is it uh does it um is it discouraging or insulting that, like, instead of people focusing on your career and then your work, they comment on your looks and on, on your appearance? Yeah,
3: absolutely. It's a little disrespectful,
1: right? Yeah. Okay, because that's kind of that. That's that's kind of what I was getting at when with the question of you know the experience of of uh, in your
3: no, it house. never feels good. Mm-hmm. It's a slimy feeling, mm-hmm. and then. You also want to sell, like for me, I love to be expressive in my womanhood Mm -hmm. and be feminine and dress in, you know, clothes that really make me feel confident Mm -hmm. and um, just, I like bright Mm colors. I like, I love fashion. I love feeling beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And when that gets twisted, Mm -hmm. it comes objectified Mm -hmm. or criticized like it's too much. Mm -hmm. That's when it's disappointing because I'm just being me. Uh, but that's where I think you kind of just need to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I've learned it's a projection. It's a reflection right. on what's going on in them. has yeah. nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah. And as long as I feel good in my own skin and I'm confident in what I'm wearing, how I'm presenting myself, the rest is noise. Yes. Keep your good people close who see you.
1: Yeah. Well, on Channel 5, I've noticed that the, the, the team there is very diverse. Yeah. What's the mission of Channel 5? It looks like they're... You guys are have you guys are up to something, uh, and I appreciate you know not just because you had me I, I uh, but when I was looking and you're just talking to everybody, anybody that's doing something positive and good in the community, you're having them come on and giving them a platform that, uh, you know, that you guys have a big platform. So, what it, what is the mission, uh, uh for Channel Five, um, as far as, um. Uh, you know, your impact here, I guess, mm-hmm. in the in the local
3: I had um mm, who said this to me? I think it was the, well, one of the leaders of Civic Music Association. And he said I think he hit it dead on. And it really it just uplifted me so much and I just felt like, Man, you see me. You see our team. Mm-hmm. And he just said, You're making Des Moines a better place.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: And a big part of that is representation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And equity. Open the door to people who have been kept out.
1: Right. Right. I uh, I want to kind of close on that a little bit. Because if you look at Channel 5 and you look at the roster of anchors and reporters, and uh, it is a reflection of society. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's... Uh, that's this uh, is Iowa. Yeah. This is Des Moines. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's refreshing to, to see that because... You know, with, you know, um what's happening the local, you know, legislation that's been passed and uh you know, it just it's demoralizing, but then you see uh, you know, organizations like Channel Five and you see that that there's an effort behind it too. So it's like it gives you uh energy, like gives you a little pump of energy. I was talking to It's not over. Right, right, right. Yeah, so there's this big this might be my last question, but there's this big, uh, uh, like, two forces almost. You know, there's this uh, DEI movement of people, you know, leading the way to to create more uh, inclusivity and, and diversity, and uh, and then there's a force of you know, not <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but the pushback. Yeah. Um, how do you keep your energy like going? You know, what what drives you to I mean, you connected with me, and we set, we set the date. I mean, you're doing the, the, yeah. the scheduling for this, for this uh, five-minute, you know. What keeps your energy going? You. <laughs> Knowing that.
3: <laughs> the people, mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. You showed up. Mm-hmm. You came through, and you shared your work and your message. Mm. That keeps the energy. It's like it really does energize me. Uh, and it it makes me, it makes my wheels turn even more Mm -hmm. because I see the work that you do. You carved out time in your schedule. You responded to my message. um, And then you just like, you care, Mm -hmm. you know, you care about what you're doing. You care about the community and Mm -hmm. you made time to connect and Mm -hmm. share that message with my show. And That energizes me Mm -hmm. from the work you do to the other people I've been able to meet with now. And then there's a response, like after you post it to Mm -hmm. social and then people are just, the response is really something. Yes. It Mm is, I have, I'm not from here, so I can't speak like. Much beyond this experience with the midday, but I'm getting a response from people that this is also something that they haven't seen in media. Mm -hmm. The representation, Mm -hmm. the vibrance, Mm -hmm. the collaboration, the um, variety of ways of seeing the world and doing things and, um, you know, small businesses, Mm -hmm. the creativity and talent coming from mom and pop shops. Right. You know, this month, a lot of women-owned businesses. But it doesn't stop there. It's just bit by bit. Mm. So I'm constantly in search of, I guess. Yes. And that's so, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I would not change it for the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's this momentum building. Yes. And, and it happens. It, does, f- it like does It
1: does feel that way, you know, with uh, when you look at your work here in Iowa. Up, up to this point, you've been here a year and a half. Th- almost two years. Almost two yeah. years. Crazy. So, uh you guys, you guys are doing great work, and I thank, thank you yeah. again for uh, giving me time in your uh, platform and Channel 5. And thank you for coming here it's and uh, spending some time. So, I love it. Um, hopefully, we can talk sometime in the future, yes. catch up a little bit.
3: The more we create space like this, the more we're going to build momentum, and it's going to go beyond us. And then more people come through, and mm-hmm. they have something to contribute. Right. It's, that's how it works.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again, Samantha.
3: Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having me.
1: Yes. There you have it. Samantha Mesa, Channel 5. Go check it out. Uh, they're doing good things. They're opening the doors to people that uh, need some exposure, that need that that uh, limelight. Is that what it's called? Uh, spotlight?
2: A little spotlight. Yeah. You need a little, little promotion. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, hit up Samantha. Yeah, She's
1: gonna You should do that for your goodbye tour. <laughs> My what? Your goodbye tour. I'm, not doing, DJ. I'm not doing I'm not <laughs> doing that shit. <show. laughs> yeah. Kenji was a DJ yeah. for 10, 12, how long were you a DJ for? 16 years. 16 years. It's the end of an era, Kenji. It's a, it's a good era. You're a local little celebrity. You don't want to... We should do a poll. Should Kenji do a goodbye gig...
2: <laughs> so but people please comment People and don't give a shit man They don't Nobody We'll gives see a shit. We'll see Yeah, we'll yeah. See. I'll be like tch, tch, tch. <laughs> And three people are like <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll see I think I think uh, If we get What 25 We get 50 people to comment And like And you do one
2: Sounds very pathetic <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very pathetic. Mm-hmm. Any any number under a thousand <laughs> is pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad shit. But it's you're gonna like, that- it's gonna look very sad. <laughs> you're saying that nobody is gonna comment or, uh, you know I don't wanna know. I just rather <laughs> I just rather <laughs> vanish. All right.
1: Well, thank you everybody. Thank you to Samantha Mesa for uh, making time for us. Uh, Look out for more episodes, share, comment, message Kenji, and tell him that he should do a goodbye tour, club tour. I'm going to leave you on the red. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you soon.
0: Amplified.